0: welcome everyone to plastic cards podcast today we have a very special uh episode here we have the founders of vox pop games we have charles Yu and mark anthony rodriguez i appreciate you guys being on the show thanks for being here
1: it's an honor thank you very much alfonso thank you
0: thank you and so i told you a little bit before Uh, We started recording, Uh, just hearing about this idea with Vox Pop Games, I instantly have a million questions and it sounds like such a great idea. I'm a small streamer myself, I talk to a lot of indie devs and so the idea of merging these two platforms and kind of removing the barriers, letting them communicate, work together directly, uh, I love that idea. And so, I'd love to kind of pick your brain and, and hear about you know what's going on there at Vox, Pop's, uh, Vox Pop, Games. And so, if you can kind of give me a you know a, a quick intro into uh, if somebody's hearing for Vox Pop uh, for the first time, what can they expect? What kind of uh, platform are you building?
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the idea behind Vox Pop is to create an indie-centric platform uh, that doesn't just provide a marketplace for games, uh, but also gives indie devs a tool to sort of market themselves. One of the biggest problems with uh, independent games is just the complete lack of any kind of marketing budget. Uh, Many indie devs or solo devs, uh, even small studios, don't really have uh, the kind of advertising money uh, that big studios would typically use. Uh, And so what we really wanted to do was create a way that independent developers could market by leveraging their future earnings as opposed to money they may not have in their pocket at the moment. And the way we arrived at doing that was creating a profit sharing system. The way this works is uh, every developer designates a percentage of their sale, which will go to uh, user incentives, right? And this will pay out to everybody who helps uh, market their games. So recommending their games to their friends, Uh, seeding the files on the platform because we are peer-to-peer, or getting users on board that then buy those files. Anytime something like that happens, uh, everyone who had a place in the chain gets a a percentage of the game's sale. Uh, Now, you don't have to be an influencer to participate. If you're just somebody who loves uh, any particular game and you think it's underrated, you want to support this artist, You can still share in the game's success by promoting it to your friends or anybody you meet online. However, obviously, one of the biggest groups to benefit are streamers, right? Uh, After all, streamers are constantly streaming to an audience. Um, And what I'm sure you can relate to is uh, streamers who stream indie games, uh, just like the indie game developers themselves, often have trouble breaking through. Right uh, The most popular games to stream are typically, first of all, uh, multiplayer and competitive. Um, that's just a resource drain that uh, many independent developers can't tackle. Uh, but even then, people prefer to see the kinds of games that they engage in. so um, anything by Activision Blizzard, uh, a lot of free- to- play games on there. you know uh, And if you want to stream independent titles, especially uh, any visual novels or puzzle games or just any other kinds of games that don't film well, it is a huge, huge handicap. Um, obviously though, these kind of streamers and let's players who are willing to tackle indie games uh, have always been invaluable parts of the independent developer community. And so um, what I wanted to do with Vox Pop is just create a more formal way to link these two sides of the community together. Uh, so everyone can
0: profit. Gotcha, yeah, no, that sounds sounds great. Um, I wanna get more into Voxpot, but also uh, what brought you guys to the this actual platform, building this platform, starting it from the ground up. Uh, it seems your actual backlog or your um, experience with both Mark and uh, Charles you're well known or you know in depth in the industry you've tackled other um, industries as well and you are kind of bringing that knowledge over to Vox Pop. So I want to kind of dig into that and kind of then we can see, you know, really the brains behind it and how I am really, you know, looking forward to this this ambitious project. So we got with uh, Charles here. Um, from your LinkedIn profile, you have quite a, a lengthy list here. And so uh, what started you on that path towards game design and you know what did you dabble in before coming to Vox Pop?
2: Uh, what started me on the path is just Playing video games as a kid, I don't know Pokemon <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, i yeah i I've loved video games since I was a kid um as I mentioned, you know Pokemon is very close to me. what got me started it uh looking at independent games specifically though um was actually this old flash game uh called every day the same dream um it's. I can't describe it too in depth here without completely ruining what made the game powerful for me. It's free. Everyone can check it out. Right. But what I thought was so cool about that game is that it sort of turns side scrolling conventions against you. Right. So if if you just keep walking right and interacting with every object that you can, which is what would be typical for like a side scrolling adventure game. Um, What's going to end up happening is you get out of bed, you get dressed, you get stuck in traffic for a little bit, and then you go to work at a cubicle and you wake up in bed again. Right? And that will keep repeating until you find ways to sort of rebel against this programming. And while that game might not hold up as well today, you know, a decade and a half after it was originally released, um, it was the first game that really got me thinking about the language of video games, of uh, video games as an art that communicates something to the player. Up until that point, I had never really thought about all the intrinsic rules uh, to video games that I just sort of accepted were true. Does that make sense?
0: Right, Uh, yeah, it was the first kind of challenge to the whole idea as itself.
1: Exactly. Always go right.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah, we're used to that, where we were kind of trained in that early on. Yeah, and one of the ways to rebel uh, in uh, Everyday the Same Dream, is it just go left? <laughs>
2: such, it sounds awesome. so stupid when you say it like that, but like it, it I, I'm sure you can understand, you know, it's this, the way this language is communicated. And that's what really made me want to uh, start making my own video games. And that's really what made me start thinking about video games as a medium of expression. Um, as for what got me started on Vox Pop, Uh, That's because, uh, as you might have seen from my uh, LinkedIn profile, I actually majored in video games in college, in game design in college. Um, And from my exposure there and from my time releasing my own games on platforms like Itch, it really woke me up to how difficult it is uh, to make a living as an independent game designer. Um, I really, really struggled. Uh, I won't go too into depth here, but um, I just didn't see a, a future for myself uh, as, a, in a, as an independent game designer in terms of a, a career, right And I more than anything, I wished there was some form of support, right? some, for, some way some way to market without um, having money in my pocket to burn right yeah. away. And I figured, well, if I can't. Succeed as an independent game designer. Now in this current climate. Uh, The next best thing I can do is to try and make this tool uh, So that other people can succeed or so that I can succeed in this field in the future
0: Gotcha. Yeah, let me send that same question over uh, to Mark. And uh, you touched on some great ideas, especially with um, just that industry alone getting known or trying to be—you know—trying to make a name for yourself, trying to have your game noticed. It's a whole. It's it's really ripe for disruption, for improvement. And so it's a great idea. I feel like that's where Vox Pop can kind of fill that void. But with you, Mark, uh, how did you find yourself getting into the industry, and what were some of your early inspirations for following that path?
1: My in my foray into the industry was in the AAA market space. Uh, I started with uh, Rockstar Games in early 2005, Uh, sort of grew the ranks there through product operations and and, uh, game analytics. Uh, My background is not as a game designer per se. It's more of a philosophical nature. Uh, So I graduated from uh, State University of New York with a philosophy degree. Uh, I learned uh, the ins and outs of just game theory. A lot of my uh, background was in game theory, gamification of uh, our existence and our daily lives. Uh, so I bounced around a lot to uh, many of the AAA studios. Uh, in a couple of previous podcasts, I talked about my former life in, uh, you know, Japanese game design, building the arc platform for Perfect World Entertainment. Uh, eventually, moving on to game streaming. Uh, so the uh, streaming markets uh, for Disney Plus. Uh, and Disney streaming services, learning all the ins and outs of how to have run a back end system uh, through AWS uh, for video streaming with the best of the best at uh, ML Bam and Bam Tech, and then I, I sort of, uh, I, I feel like I, I, I hit a wall, and I needed some kind of um, clarity in my life. I, I wanted to find something. I started working on my consulting agency, Gromo Works, and uh, uh, Charles and I met up on LinkedIn. And I saw this amazing idea, like you stated earlier, Alfonso. It is an amazing, amazing tool for independent game developers. Uh, everyone is um, struggling now. You know, we're we're in this sort of post-COVID era, but it was always a with the independent game developer. You, you, you need to uh, you know, self-market, self-promote, or, or rely on a, a big name publisher to see some validity and then they end up owning your IP. What we're trying to do here is unlike anything else. So I, I, I pretty much signed on automatically and told Charles, like this is the next phase in my career. If there's anything that I can do with my vast experience in AAA marketing, it's let you know that we're never gonna follow those tropes, specifically with uh our marketing and our everything that we have to do. We have to do something out of the box. And just this client is completely out of the box and completely new and, and a little bit innovative, I feel. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much my my go-to and and where where we're coming from. Um I, I know that everything that is built for AAA is from the ground up uh, taken from independent games in one way, shape, or form. So I, I don't want us to um, have these these ideas that Charles had so eloquently explained, these tropes in independent games go unnoticed and go unseen. They need to have the attention, the market share. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to call us boutique-like, but we are offering a, a platform and a voice for those developers that are just, you know, throwing up their games on any other platform, Steam and itch and all these other, there's millions of platforms right now and just praying for something to hit. Uh, we're giving them an avenue to basically have streamers support and create a community around their very small games or their, you know, potentially huge mega success. Uh, and one thing that uh,
2: I feel Mark may have glossed over uh, is that he's bringing immense experience to the table. Uh, not, Works was a talent discovery uh, company for independent game designers. So he's actually been in the scene, uh, both the indie scene, the AAA scene. He's gone through launching a whole other platform. And so uh, I think Mark is the perfect partner I could have ever asked for. Yeah, I was I
1: was trying to be a little bit <laughs> humble in my speech. Right. <laughs> uh, but 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 my 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 deal here is to support the community, do community outreach as best we can. Uh, we have an amazing team with uh, Vox Pop Holly, Holly Welch and Alicia Augustine, Vox Pop Alicia. Uh, Charles and I are really, really, we're a lean mean fighting machine and we're trying to, you know, launch uh, this startup client into this new world.
2: One thing I think you noticed uh, earlier as well is that uh, um, after college, I went to work at a venture capitalist firm, uh, Dunhuo Venture Capital, DHVC. And uh, the reason I went to do that, the way I saw it, it wasn't a turn away from game design. As I mentioned to you, I didn't really see a future for myself as a game designer. And I knew I had to make some sort of tool, uh, if not for everyone else, then at least for myself. And I figured, well, what's going to be necessary is funding. If I, if I wanna start a company, I'm gonna to have to try and get funding. And so I joined uh, DHVC to try and get a look at how um, uh, venture capital firms sort of operate behind the scenes. And I think that really gave me a lot of insight, uh, not just in uh, sort of speaking to investors, but also uh, what's important to consider uh, when starting a business. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we do need to keep running.
0: Yeah, that was my uh, initial intention was to kind of parlay into the, the venture capitalism part of it, because I feel like that's a strong um, starting point to really have that understanding as a company. I mean, it's, it's a lot to get people to sign on board, but to trust the fact that you have that experience, you have that knowledge, I think you're bringing something really unique to the table.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, with um, that was another um, thought I had was along your experience with both the both of you, did you see that? Uh, well, at one point, did you see that kind of like that void open up to uh, for disruption for for building something new and kind of filling that void with Fox Pop? Uh, the
2: way I see it, the void has sort of just been unfilled for a really long time. I mean, it's look when people write about how indie games were booming in the late 2000s and, you know, early 2010s, early 10s, right? And they look at games like, you know, Braid, um, and yet it moves these huge, like, breakout successes. They're really overlooking the fact that the majority of indie games weren't breakout successes, right? Um, even now, we still have occasional breakout successes. You know, games will go viral. Uh, there's, a, you know, a flu kit like the Untitled Goose Game or Getting Over It right? It's just something that instantly captures the public imagination, but really it's not consistent. If you want to make a a living making video games, it's uh, indie games, right? It's actually quite tough. Even um, indie game designers who've had a huge, big success often have trouble making follow-up successes. Daisuke Amaya, the man who designed Cave Story, has actually made, I think, about five games since, the most recent one being Caro story. Uh, but the only thing that makes him any money is remakes of Cave Story. Mm, so they They port uh, Cave Story to a new platform, re-release it every once in a while, because none of his other games have ever captured the public imagination quite the same way. And this is someone who had a huge success, right? Um, so... The way I see it, it wasn't so much that something changed about the market that really created this gap. It's more like the gap was never quite addressed. And it's not something that a lot of people, uh, people who haven't tried to make a living making indie games
1: would have really noticed. This is more more about the content creation. So we're all, we, we look at the community and we're saying this is about content creation for streamers, for game designers, developers, for content creators who chop up videos and play let's plays on YouTube, for Twitch streamers, live live Twitch streamers, we're looking at it from a perspective of the content is a waterfall and it's an endless waterfall of things and you're vying for the attention of everyone, every second of every moment of every day. Um, what we're doing now is trying to sort of navigate that water in a, in a very small canoe with a a very lean team and make sure that the content that we're curating is boutique and, and wholly unique to what we're trying to accomplish with the overall platform. It's just sharing our sharing artistry to as many people as possible in as many ways as possible. Go ahead, Charles. Sorry.
2: Uh, Following from that thought, actually, I will say, while I believe the problem to a greater or lesser extent has actually really been there for as long as, you know, small content creators have existed on the internet, right? I will say what really made me aware of it uh, was when in high school and college, I started seeing more and more uh, small YouTubers and small streamers uh, talk about how much they're struggling to keep their channels afloat, right? Um, And the rise of uh, platforms like Patreon and Ko-fi, which really showed me that a lot, people want to support the artists that they enjoy. I really see it as a way we can bolster each other as well, right? Because I I, t- I talked earlier about um, content creators being able to share in the games they promote, uh, but that's because a lot of indie game devs who are new, they might be a little I don't want to say naive, but they might be they might say like, oh, you know, why do I gotta uh, pay you to play my game? You know, that's uh, uh, it. It feels. Unnatural, like, are you selling out? Like, do you not care? Right? But it's, I'm sure you know, it's not about that, right? You've got pills to pay, too. Your equipment costs money. You got to keep your channel running somehow. And, um, indie devs got to
1: promote somehow. And that's that's really where this comes from. The middle of the Venn diagram is exactly where Vox Pop fits. Those overlaps are in the middle, is where our client can hopefully not be in- echo chambery but more of a breakout so that it's, it's widening that middle ground. It's widening the, the ability for the content and the creation of the content for the streamer base and for the game developers to not have to solely rely on actually signing contracts for publishing to then get you know their IP pretty much run by some other company and not the de- designer, director, developer, you know, blood, sweat and tears indie game dev. Um, we wanna sort of bridge that gap. We wanna become that, that channel on that avenue for like that one-stop shop so that everyone could talk with everyone together, whether it's on Discord or Twitter or wherever we're doing our sort of discourse. Right now we're on Discord. Uh, we're trying to get everyone involved in conversating and sharing amongst each other organically Uh, The profits for things that you're spending time on. Time is money. The resource that we can never get back in this world is time. So, right now, I can thank you for your time and it's money that we're doing. So, we're exchanging time for money. You know, we want to make sure everyone is aware of those key terms and those key phrases and those key. Go ahead, Charles. Sorry, I know you're going to jump in. No,
2: I, I was just gonna say. Well, speaking of time, we've taken a lot of your time on this question.
0: <laughs> so let's keep going. <laughs> hey, that, Sorry, we're rambling again. No, you're fine. I mean, I can I can tell the genius behind these thoughts, so it's like I, you know, I take a back seat because I just really want to learn. Uh, no, and you touched on some great ideas. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, uh, you just don't know what you don't yet know kind of thing, whether it's an indie dev or your streamer, you don't realize the problems that arise or the uh, the real hurdles that you have to face with marketing, with communicating. Yeah, it's a whole uh, can of worms. And I, I like the idea of you know box pop kind of coming in and helping to remove those those barriers connect people i like the idea of it seems like from the heart of it you're trying to help indies retain their identity with what they're creating more creative control and kind of create uh, you know just more of those um those things that they might be able to if they uh, go on to whatever said publisher or whatever said platform like it seems like your idea is, is allowing that indie to shine those streamers to shine so talking about the the start point of Vox and then when you decide to add on those team members that you have.
2: Okay. So, um, well, Mark and I, we can't handle everything obviously. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, naturally, uh, we've met been blessed with uh two great team members that Mark mentioned earlier. Uh, Alisi, our engineer, uh, he's been wonderful. Uh, we picked him up, um, uh, I think also towards the end of 2019. Um, to help round out our platform, build features that we need. Um, And then uh, our social media manager, uh, Holly Welch, uh, she has been responsible for doing a lot of the uh, visual content that we uh, display everywhere. You know, uh, she's helped uh, manage our blog on our website as well as all of our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. Um, Both of them, uh, are incredibly passionate for the space, incredibly talented, and incredibly ha- hardworking, and we're pleased to have them.
0: What are some of those challenges that you knew you'd have to face? You know, and how did you start to tackle those with starting Box pop?
2: Challenges that we knew we'd have to face: finding ways to get the message out there, right? Um, so it's it's one thing to have a good idea, uh, but that's not enough, right? You got to make people aware that you have a good idea. Uh, and one thing I quickly learned. Uh, working at a VC firm is that literally every entrepreneur walking in says, uh, "We'll promote on social media." Sure, that's it. <laughs>
1: that's their plan.
2: <laughs> well, we'll go on Instagram, and everyone will love us, right? Um, that's why hiring a dedicated social media manager is one of the first things we did. Um, on the face of it, you might say, "Well, you know, you don't necessarily need a social media manager. Everyone kind of uses Facebook and Twitter and." insta right like uh uh, you wouldn't necessarily think of that as being one of the most critical roles uh that you need a team member for uh but you know i'll be honest with you i've always been kind of an introvert um and i don't fully understand all the workings and rules uh sort of the unspoken rules on various social media platforms that's why i'm so thankful to have holly and um You know, she, Mark and I, we can bounce ideas off of each other on how to promote, uh, you know, various promotions that we're running. In fact, it was her idea uh, to run uh, the games giveaway that we're doing right now. Everyone who signs up for our beta um, has a chance to uh, win one of three uh, amazing independent games. But uh, yeah, so uh, promoting on social media is one of the challenges I always knew we'd have to face. These are just kind of sort of the business challenges right. you know, that we foresaw in advance. Uh, I know they might seem a little boring <laughs> compared no. to uh, the big picture stuff. Sure. Big uh, picture, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, I could also talk a little bit about how the pandemic has um, sort of affected us, yeah. if you'd like to mm-hmm. hear about that. Um, thankfully, no one on our team has been sick. But that does not mean we haven't been impacted by COVID-19 as well. Because one thing we noticed was that the support uh, infrastructure kind of broke down. So a lot of the services that we depend on to, um, uh, to release didn't quite work the same way, especially uh, customer support for these companies. Uh, often, uh, some of them have shut down their customer support lines entirely. Mm. Uh, and a lot of times, we, can't, we still haven't gotten a response out of PayPal. Really well. Right. So these, these payment services like PayPal and square and, uh, you know, uh, our, our web hosting like AWS and all the other small services that we use that's necessary for our company to build, um, things have broken down a little bit. A lot of the review processes, uh, have slowed down customer support sometimes isn't there. Um, and combine this with the fact that, uh, news about COVID-19 has also flooded everyone's feeds, sure. right? It's so much harder to get people's attention, uh, in, uh, this, uh, this space when the information economy is sort of dominated by, uh, the platform. Uh, these are all the things that I think a lot of people probably wouldn't even consider when they talk about how businesses have been impacted, uh, by COVID-19. But, you know, as a small business, We, we we don't have reserves like big companies do. Uh, And we do rely on a lot of this infrastructure uh, that big companies can afford to ignore. Uh, And so we have been slowed down, even though nobody, thank God, uh,
1: on our team has fallen sick. Yeah, we've had to we've had to postpone. Charles did a great blog write-up of um we've moved our date from 420. We're still floating. We're not going to be able to give any idea or timelines because everything is a day by day just like the rest of the world. We yes, are targeting as I we- mentioned. Oh,
2: pardon.
1: No, we are, we are targeting things internally, but it in the worst case scenario that we can do or the worst Thing we can do again is announce and then blow that date because of some extra, you know, circumstance that is completely out of our control. Um, This this postponement from uh, April twentieth was a a we we were working up until the eleventh hour to get this thing out, but it would have been unfair for our you know our community, our users, our streamers, our developer partners. The you know the indie game devs that we're you know so often trying to tout as this is what we're you know we're here to support you and then we can't because of X. Right. So yeah. that, that that was a crazy thing. So go ahead, Charles.
2: If I may go on another minor tangent, oh, yeah, I'll keep it short. I promise. Go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the pandemic though I think has also reinforced to me how important it is for indie devs to have a tool to market themselves like this. There's a lot of articles written about how spending on video games has increased. In the pandemic, uh, people are playing more video games, buying more video games. But one thing you'll notice pretty much across the board is it's big games. It's Animal Crossing. It's Doom. It's games that have huge marketing dollars behind them that uh, oftentimes games that were already popular or anticipated rather because they hadn't released yet before the pandemic happened. If you're a small independent creator and you're coming out now, like you wanted to ship now, there's no way you can compete with that. The pandemic... People are buying games they've already heard of because the pandemic has crowded out all
1: the other messaging. And you know, how do you how do you compete with as soon as you open any game feed, any you know Facebook page, any Instagram, any social media page? Animal Crossing it. memes. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, it just all moves. the way down. And and also COVID nineteen updates. So you're it's becoming like its own i guess advertising vector it's an advertising vector that we're we're not no one was ready for it and no one could honestly compete with you're not going to compete with death and you're not going to compete with animal crossing so it, <laughs> it's it, the it's, new death Taxes, too- basically yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's a game that, that's, a, that's an independent game that launched on Steam. And, you know, we're, I've been trying to talk to those devs. We're trying to, that, that game is amazing. Death and Taxes, even though they're not on, you know, Vox Pop, I, I would love for that team to be on our platform to support them as much as they can. They're on Steam. They're doing what they got to do. Um, I, you know, how do we do that? And how do, when we ship, how do we get the attention back on to what our cause is? You right. know, doing things like this uh spending some marketing spending capital but being very very cautious about that because we don't want to scream into the ocean i'm not trying to be you know <laughs> go ahead joe
2: uh, and you know one way to illustrate my point you know on reddit what's top right now if you scroll down it's borderlands 3 uh, cyberpunk 2020 uh, t- uh 2077
1: <laughs> sorry i don't right now we're Plane. having cyberpunk, 20- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> cyberpunk
2: 2077 um uh, Skyrim, again. Oh, wow. There are two Skyrim posts. Uh, Overwatch. <laughs> and um, Animal Crossing. Again, more Animal Crossing. Minecraft as well. Right? All stuff, all games that were big before the virus. You know, it's not a great time to be shipping new content right now. It was already tough, but it, it's only going to get tougher. And, and and that's another thing. People People... Talk about how uh, spending on games increased during the hu- uh, during the recession from the housing crisis, right? But again, all big games, all AAA people. M- whenever there's a recession, marketing trumps even more. It's even more important. Sadly, marketing. Anyway, dot,
1: yeah, marketing is yeah, over. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. marketing's <laughs> crammed over. No, no, no. I wanted a, I wanted to sort of you know piggyback off this. It, it's it's a, it's a great topic, and I don't want to be too COVID heavy. We were dealing. We went to PAX East. We were exhibiting on the show floor with a couple of our partners. We were trying to get the word out and onboard new partners. And this is like the the beginnings of the COVID nineteen uh, sort of spread. So this was probably the last show that's ever going to be a live show that I've been to, and it was the lightest show that we ever that I've ever seen I've been to dozens of event trade shows I've been to everything PAX East PAX Prime where you guys are in Washington I've been to you know Tokyo Game Show I've been to it all and the one thing I saw was it wasn't necessarily a, a fear of what was going to come in less than a couple of weeks. It was the the not being able to understand that a lot of these properties that were in sort of the back latted area for the mini booth and mega booth were going to have such a tremendously hard time now when they're trying to ship. So now we're talking to people that we were talking to a couple of months ago, like everything was hunky dory, and they are like have returned. To Times of not being able to get to a, you know, a, an email for three to four weeks. Like I'm hitting auto reply messages just for regular life, not for a partnership. Just for a, hey, how are you doing? How's you know? How's your family? How is you know? How are your kids? Um, I dealt with something over the. My wife and I lost our son during uh, not, not COVID related, but we lost our uh, our son. My wife miscarried at five months. Um, our son Leandro just getting normal life normalcy back uh, to try and, you know, have his memory and my son that's here just celebrated his third birthday a couple of days ago, drunk, just trying to get normalcy in our lives. Um, I wanted to talk about just what have we been playing? What have you been playing Alfonso? What have, you know, what have you been doing? How have you been doing? You know, just give us some overlay just so we could have a dialogue of how you, how you have been and how this has sort of affected you.
0: As, yeah, as far as on my end, and I and I appreciate you you know talking about that. I really that that, that sounds uh, terrible, and I'm sorry for you know for your loss, and that that sounds extremely heavy. And uh, I, that once again, why I appreciate you guys you know taking the time out of your lives to to talk to me in the first place. Um, yeah, no, I I share the same sentiments where it's you know COVID taking over everything, and really that's where games kind of shine. You can kind of tear away from some of the realities and and you know spend spend your time in games and online communities. I mean, I'm the same boat where I'm just trying to. Play more and play online more and also conversate more, um, yeah. No, I mean with me, really, I've been playing a lot of uh, City Skylines. That's kind of my jam—is just like getting lost in those okay. Sims. I, I love that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but but yeah, and you you touch on some great points where when when you're an indie trying to branch out, I mean whether or not this stuff is happening with uh, with COVID, it's already hard enough to get your get your game out there, and so that's really the benefit I imagine with with um, adjoining with something like Vox Pop, where they can help take over that. You know that weight of just kind of because you're right, you're screaming into a void. But if you can have some some kind of help, you know, in those industry connections and helping you build that that um, that that market because it's it's hard to get out there.
2: And help really is the right word. I did mention earlier that um, uh, coffee and Patreon and uh, you know were some of the biggest inspirations behind Vox Pop because people do want to support the creation of this kind of stuff that they love, the creation of the content they love and um i really just saw this platform as a way that everyone can participate
0: yeah i agree and especially i think there's a huge demand for i i want to say that's why streaming has taken uh streamers and personalities have skyrocketed because people see the 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 face they see the the personality and they connect with that and I want more indies to kind of take charge as well I want to see indies behind the screen I want to see what they've gone through talk to them I feel like people also want that connection and that helps to build their trust in supporting them and and, and funding a project and being on board is it seeing that person you know and seeing the the blood sweat and tears behind a project like that
2: and uh, that's the uh, another thing that I hope Vox Pop can accomplish is um, I, I know that a number of streamers have spoken about feeling like they've been pigeonholed into doing certain things uh, or like having some online uh, or not even just streamers, but like um, uh, I noticed it with less players and streamers. Cause uh, you know, I, I'm a gamer obviously, but a lot of online personalities have spoken about feeling like being, there's this sort of invisible pressure to become what they're not. Mm. It's the only way to stay viable to, to win new uh, viewers. Right. I, hope that we can create a system where it becomes possible to do the things you love and not just be forced to chase trends because that's the only way to stay, uh, relevant.
1: Gotcha. And by, by, we, we have, we have a bunch of tools. I know Charles was sort of, uh, I guess, I guess tiptoeing around it in, um, in an odd sense with Patreon and Coffee, we're trying to do something inherently within our platform. So we announced it a couple uh, podcasts ago about the microinvestment engine. I wanted Charles to just touch on that a little yes. bit before we just switch topics real quick. Charles, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> uh, okay. So
2: uh, another uh, aspect of what I was saying in uh, trying to share any game success is uh, I wanted to create a better form of crowdfunding. Kickstarter isn't, like, dead or anything like that, but when it comes to kickstarting a game, you really better have, like, an audience already or it's not going to work out. Yeah. Um, this is understandable because I, I don't have the statistics on hand, sadly, but it, it was it was crazy high. It was something like 80% of games that meet their fundraising goals on Kickstarter never get finished. Um, and in addition to that, right... I don't think that's obviously gamers have lost faith because of that, but I don't think that's necessarily developer malice or greed or anything like that, right? Because it's what a lot of people, a lot of developers too, especially, don't realize is that every single tier you introduce, you're introducing more work for yourself, and that the the reward tier itself, the work that you have to do to reach these like goals on on, on Patreon and on Kickstarter, right? Are themselves will co- themselves cost you money and time. And you'll get to a point where you're making back less than it costs to do the thing, right? Let's so assume you even have the skill set to do it. So like, let's say I'm making a game, right? I'm a game designer. Maybe I'm a great game designer. Do I have the skill set to design merchandise, to manufacture that merchandise? How am I going to ship it to everybody, right? Let's Even if I do nothing but promise in-game bonuses, I still have to make those in-game bonuses. Yeah. Let's say, you know, there's a a, 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 I say, okay, um, you pledge me a hundred bucks and I will make you an NPC in this game. You got to model that NPC. Maybe you got to voice it. Right. You got to script it to do something. Probably nobody wants an NPC that just stands around and does nothing.
1: Hanging out in the corner of the
2: fake world. Right. (laughs) A lot of extra work. So people end up introducing all this extra work to themselves They end up expanding the scope of the game beyond what they're able to tackle. Um, It breaks the game. And it breaks their trust, your, you know, people's trust in your game. I want to create a way that you can fundraise without having to introduce all this extra stuff to you, right? But consumers also want something more tangible than just your promise, <laughs> right? Right. And so that's the idea behind the micro-investment uh, engine. Basically, it's the developers uh, can sell, to draw an analogy, they can sell stock in their games. And everybody who's purchased a share of this game by donating uh, every time that game sells, they get a portion of the game sale uh, directly, right? Now, this does two things. One, it creates a way to fund the production of your game that for the developer. It creates a way to fund the production of your game that doesn't introduce extra workload and doesn't necessarily require that you have a huge pre-existing audience. Obviously, a huge pre-existing audience would be a huge benefit, but um, the way we'd have it set it up is there would be essentially a market view. So even if you have no audience, there's still visibility. Now, obviously not guaranteed. Su- visibility doesn't equal success, but you're at least visible somewhere, right? Um, for the consumer, it uh, allows them another opportunity to share in the game's success, to be part of that success story, right? Um, because now you're invested in the game doing well. And when the game does well, you do well as well. Uh, and too, uh, it provides uh, some measure of accountability, because now you also control part of the
1: game's revenue. And they really don't make money if you don't make money. Just to to finalize a little bit more of what Charles was saying, what I was mentioning about the sort of stock market within the stock market of the steam cards and stuff like that. It's not exactly like that. The micro investment engine is a way for users to get a, get a sense of, like you said, ownership. If someone is buying a share in this, they're going to automatically want to promote that game. It's another marketing share. It's a, it's actually a marketing share more than an ownership share. So you're like, hey, look at this awesome game that I invested in this, deve- this, you know, three guys in, you know, Idaho or some, you know, one guy in the middle of France or, you know, just any, we're, we are a, you know, although we're Brooklyn born, we are international. We are, we have developers from all across the globe, all different backgrounds, all different culture types, just speaking through the artistry of games, speaking through the voice of games. And we want that voice to be as strong as ever. And, you know, money talks, money talks and, you know, BS walks. And what we're trying to do is make sure that we're able to provide the vision and the the foresight of, hey, we want this to be, you know, all of the all of the platform partners that we have now will continue to get revenue and continue to get shine you know, as long as they're with us, as long as we're partnering and even after, like I said, I was promoting a game that's not even on our platform. We want games to succeed just in general, because if they succeed, the industry succeeds, the community succeeds. Charles, and go ahead.
2: One thing I want to clarify, um, we're not trying to promise that uh, somebody with no audience and, and no show or anything like that uh, can somehow become rich just off of this. You know, we're, we're not advertising a get-rich-quick scheme, but this is a way to share in the success and to take a piece. Um, just, so, just enough to be worth your time to promote. Does that make sense? So we're, we're not trying to say, you know, quit your day job, <laughs> just invest in indie games, right? If you're a streamer, that might be possible because you have an audience, right? But if you're, you know, a regular gamer, you're probably not going to be able to make this your living. But you can make a little bit more money. You can put it towards your next game, or you can just put it towards, you know, uh, your next meal. Right? It's, it's just a little bit of extra money so that it's worth your time to support the things you love. That's what it is, really.
1: Gotcha. Rather than just waiting, rather than just waiting for a code to show up after three years of development and then forgetting all about it and having it buried in your list.
0: That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you touch on some great ideas. And I, I remember hearing this kind of, same kind of stuff with uh, Kickstarter becoming so popular is that there's just no, not ownership, but it's like uh, you kind of trust the developers and whatever state to actually develop the game in the first place to take whatever millions of dollars potentially they earn and to, you know, there's a promise there to hopefully you get back what you you know put your money towards. And yeah, you get a copy of the game. But there's also I love the idea of some kind of, you know, uh, percentage ownership over what's being made. And that helps that community back and forth. You mentioned with streamers having a little bit more, uh, you know, of a a way to make money, just uh, promoting that game in the first place. And then it goes back and forth. Um, it's a great idea. And I feel like that's, a, that's something Kickstarter, those kind of uh, companies were lacking in that they just didn't have that option, that ability.
2: Uh, and um, following, you know. That it's. Uh, I imagine that um, maybe you have a number of viewers who um, are reticent to donate, um, and be- because they feel like they'll get nothing. But if they can buy a game and support you at the same time, uh, they might be more willing to do that.
0: Yeah, and uh, so one aspect is really you know merging with Box Pop, the streaming side of it, and then the developing side of it. Um, it seems like uh, the one of my first thought was it's it's almost like you know where uh, where uh, Twitch. Meet something like uh Steam, where you can kind of create this just one stop shop where you can jump in you know play a game, try a game, watch streamers, is that where you're hoping to take you know vox pop where it's just one entity you can watch streams there, you can play games there is that you know possibly you know where this is going
2: I would like it to go there eventually, perhaps, but uh let's be clear where it is that's not where it is now uh, we We are platform agnostic right uh it's promotion of these games is basically you link back to your own page uh and then there'll be a list of games you recommend to your followers um or you can uh link to the game specifically right with a code is one thing we'd like and or they can be a code that your viewer puts in to say this person directed me here um and so you can do that on really any platform you can promote your game the game on youtube you can promote it on twitch uh you can uh, in fact uh all of our current streaming partners are on Twitch. Um, uh, you know, Silver.tv, wherever. right? Uh, we want to make it the broadest tool possible, so that all streamers and all developers can take full advantage of it. Um, well, yes, we would love to do um, streaming in ourselves, uh, I think one thing I definitely learned as a game designer is the importance of scoping. Gotcha. uh you need to figure out what's most important what's the core functionality that that's critical to you and we're going to focus on that
1: i want i want i also wanted to touch on what what uh charles is playing i know we've been amazingly busy but you have to take uh, 5 minutes to play at least one thing uh so charles what have you been playing? um <laughs> i
2: i haven't had the most time to play to be honest uh but uh so you're still, doing your, you're still doing
1: your dailies? No more dailies? No more ESO dailies?
2: No, no more dailies. Uh, <laughs> uh, confession time. One thing I have done is reinstall Skyrim uh, and mod it. <laughs> yeah?
0: Yeah.
2: It's all uh, reliable, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Sometimes uh, I'm exhausted because we're working on this platform, right? You have to understand, I very rarely actually have time to sit down and play for an extended period of time. And sometimes I'm just exhausted and I want to turn my brain off because to go through something i've already done like half a million times so, you know yeah. i actually started by reinstalling morrowind and i forgot how much i hate it
0: oh really uh, <laughs> i think we hit what 15 year anniversary i think with morrowind right or was that uh, Oblivion? yeah it was morrowind no oblivion, uh, oblivion, oblivion Fifteen, oblivion, 15, year anniversary. 15 years, yeah. morrowind was 2003 gotcha oh no
2: 2003 with blood moon um, expansion. Uh, Morrowind was uh, 1999.
1: The I'm one. gonna date myself and say Oblivion was my jam because uh, that, was, <laughs> that was that was when I started at Rockstar. So for me, uh, I'm gonna sort of self-answer. So when I'm uh, in between talking with Charles right now, I'm in the Brooklyn office and Charles in the, is in uh, California. We are uh, sort of on completely different. I know you're in Washington State, uh, Alfonso. So um, I'm working you know day and night uh i'm at like sort of a 3 a.m spec so when i'm pinging him at 3 a.m i'm trying to fight off uh my wife from the switch uh because she's all in with uh, animal crossing that's <laughs> yep. sort of our you know th- therapeutic it's a ther- you know therapy game that she's using now uh she named uh, her island after our our son uh who who passed away and um it's a therapy it's a therapy thing for me when I wrangled the Switch away from her uh, for, you know, short bursts, I've been playing the Streets of Rage 4. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, man- I managed to go through a couple playthroughs on that. Um, I'm trying to desperately get my brother to sign on so we could play some online co-op and try and go through it in one set. But it's short burst games like that. It brought me back to nostalgia. I needed a little bit of a beat-em-up after a frustrating day and, you know, you know masking up and going out and sort of, seeing what's happening in the street just to get like a you know a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk right and then come in and then shower and then you know disinfect my groceries i sort of want to beat things so uh you know do it for 15 minutes pass the mission and then you know the switch gets taken away by my wife and i continue with my day that's pretty much (laughs) it. go ahead john
2: more on brand, though, the most recent indie game that I played, which I absolutely love and everyone should play it, is uh, Baba Is You. Oh, yeah, um,
0: I tried that. It's very hard.
2: Yeah, it's great. I, I love games that puzzle games are so hard to design. Uh, when you, like a core puzzle mechanic has to be... Uh, stop me if it goes on too. <laughs> Go for All it. Right. So I got, I got, any you game you want, you want to design exactly. for uh, elegance and complexity. Right? Uh, Fewest possible rules to achieve the largest possible game states. But with puzzle games, this is especially important. Uh, The best puzzle games have some unifying mechanic, which is really easy to understand, but it's so tough to make a puzzle mechanic that you can extrapolate to all these things, which is why a lot of puzzle games like um, uh, The Witness or Cube, which aren't bad games, don't get me wrong, kind of Get complexity addiction in the in, towards the end of the game and just stack on more mechanics uh, that don't you know add as much to the game. And there are other games that like um uh, uh like uh uh, uh uh Thomas was alone, which is also which is genuinely one of my favorites, yeah. right? But the problem with Thomas was alone is its core mechanic doesn't scale very well. So it's fantastic when you've got two characters to control, but once you get to the end of the game. Um, this isn't really a huge spoilers, but there's a there's a character called Team Jump, which is like eight separate tiny characters. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I mean, between all of them, super tedious. Baba is You never suffers from that problem. It has one of the coolest mechanics I've ever seen in any like indie puzzle game, and it it scales fantastically. It's elegant and it's uh, complex. It's a great. I love that
1: game. So, um, so I got so, it
2: on itch, but it's actually on Switch now. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh, it's probably on Steam too. I haven't actually checked. Yeah, but it is. I feel it, like it should be on it, Steam.
1: It, it should be on um, <laughs> Someday. Yes. One, uh, one day. But yeah.
0: Papa is you is amazing, and you should play it. I agree. Um, I was yep. I, I think I tapped out uh, pretty early, and then I keep coming back to it and try and rework the puzzles. It's a great idea. I love. It's almost like you're. It's not really coding, but it's like you're developing the rules. It, within the game, and that's how the game functions. It's it's hard to explain, but it's 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 very unique. And I love that uh, I love these indie devs, you know, taking these chances and seeking out these uh, just complete changes on the whole, you know, idea. And I feel like uh, with Vox, are you guys trying to look for these more unique ideas? Are you really branching out to you know a huge umbrella of different indies, or you're seeking out those more unique uh, ideas?
2: We want to branch out to as many people as we can. Obviously, one of our main goals in doing this. Is supporting, is supporting the growth of new weird ideas that don't necessarily have broad mass market appeal, right? But even games that are what you would call more, I don't know, traditional or that follow more of a formula, even those games have value as well. We're not trying to be elitists here, you know? Um, it's easy to look at a game like Dead Cells, Right. And say like, oh, okay, you know, this this game is just like rogue legacy with fewer procedural with, or with more procedural elements. Right. You know, and say, ah, it's, it's just a ripoff. But the game itself does a number of things that are worth promoting. It's, it's got an amazing art style uh, from an audiovisual feedback standpoint, the like game feel. It's it's amazing. Right. And the game is tuned differently. So even though when you break it down to its core aspects, OK, sure, it's a it, it shares similarities with other games, that doesn't mean it's not a good game, doesn't mean it's not worth promoting, right? So yes, we are trying to, the main group of people that we definitely, definitely, definitely want to help out is people who have these kinds of weird ideas that are tough to explain, that don't necessarily film super well um, and that don't have mass market appeal. That doesn't mean we're trying to turn up our noses at devs that just want to take an existing idea and make it
1: better. Yeah, we have, we have. So, the sampling platter for anyone would be our signups. So, our signups give you a sort of taste of what we are trying to provide. So, we have three games during our promotion for our beta signups, for our closed beta, that are uh, exactly that. You have one game that is from Curious Visions, it's called Egg is Broken, Heart is Also, Heart is Two. Uh, you have golf, so it's uh, uh, Guardians of Ladino Forest. It's a it's a it's a, uh, a sort of gun hell where you're shooting at go- giant golf ball monsters and then trying to get them into a you know a, a golf hole in one. And then you have um, Quack Attack, 1985 Turbo DX. It's a you know a play on a, a, a huge uh, arcade style you know slash. Um, it's it's let's just say it is not for people that have. Um, epileptic uh, tendencies. So the sampling platter from our signups alone are just what we're trying to provide. It's a a tangent of think outside of the box. Think these are three developers. Uh, Two of them are New York based. One is based in France. Um, They're three, you know, three separate personalities from development houses. And what we're trying to get everyone during the signup is to, I appreciate like that. I'm going to be recommending golf because one, I love golf simulation games. One of my favorite games of the past 20 years is golf story. Um, And I also love out of the box, zany, crazy meme like games. So, my recommendation list at the top tier of it is going to be that guardians of ladino forest the golf game um that is something that i want to sort of it is going to be you have a chance to win one of the three if you sign up so i know alfonso you've already signed up to um uh, your viewers hopefully they sign up they're going to get a chance to win one of those three games and experience something that they might not have seen on steam or anywhere else uh through our platform go ahead everyone
2: wins a game but yeah. which one you win is random. Gotcha.
1: Yes, yes.
0: That's awesome. Um, I mean, uh you guys are touching on these these great ideas. Um, I loved hearing just, you know, the the genesis of Vox Pop and really what the what you can provide to this industry and providing this place for you know indies to shine, for streams to shine and just kind of change that what we're all, all have been used to for the past ten years with you know with, with crowdfunding and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't want to buy too much of your guys' time, um, but uh, you know I think we'll end it there. We answered a lot of these questions, and I'm I'm super excited for where Vox Pop goes. Any you know um, down the road announcements or things we can expect you know to to anticipate with Vox Pop?
2: Well, uh, you can always keep up with our new announcements either on our site uh, www.voxpopgames.net uh, or on any of our social media accounts. Uh, Mark, do you have anything to say?
1: Uh, I was going to run a quick promo, but I'm not going to do that. All I'm going to say is the promotion of our beta signups is key. We're almost at that sort of teetering place where we don't want to announce that we're full up. And we don't want to make extra room, but we are looking for as many people to sign up as possible. So the sign-ups page is signups.voxpopgames.net. That would explain everything. And then we're going to be running uh, Ask Us Anything or Ask Me Anything this Wednesday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern on Twitter. Uh, That Twitter is just at voxpopgames. Uh,
2: As well... um... I am actually in the process of writing a development update uh, for Vox Pop that will go live probably tomorrow. That's all I really had to say. Thank you for having us.
1: I, I appreciate yes, it. Yes, please. It, it's been Thank a, you so very, very much.
0: No problem. It's been a blast. And I, yeah, I can't wait to see where Vox Pop goes. And I'll, we're going to keep our, our ears open, our eyes open, and keep promoting it. And it's such a great idea. Thank all right. You. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show, well, guys. Uh, have a good evening. Peace. Take, take care. You as well.